0: Beep, boop.
1: Rebooting the lateral show, a sideways look at fantasy football. Ladies, Ladies and gentlemen, gentlemen, it's the, it's the lateral, lateral show. show. Fasten, Fasten your seatbelts, seat because belts, here, here we, we go. go. The Lateral Show with your hosts, Herms and McLateral. People. We did it. We are back at it again with another edition of The Lateral Show, a sideways look at fantasy football. You can follow me on Twitter at HermsNFL. You can follow him on Twitter at McLateralFF or at Mac ATL, And you can follow the show on Twitter at TheLateralFF. This is a fantasy six pack production. If you are watching this video on YouTube, please hit like, please hit subscribe, it would mean a ton to us. So, I don't know, that's but only one
0: or the other. Don't hit both. (laughs) Hitting both sets off a chain reaction that we just do not want.
1: That, yeah, I mean. I've never. So is it one of those kinds of things where, like, what is it, farting and sneezing at the same time? The kind of potential danger at that? Because isn't that a thing that, like, when you were a kid, they'd be like... Well, That's a harbinger
0: that of the apocalypse, yes.
1: Yeah, so, so there you go. Yeah, right. so just don't, like, subscribe at the same time unless you want the world to end. Um, but before we get into anything else, just once again, if you want to sign up on the website for an all access pass to everything fantasy six backnet slash plans. That is including the DFS tools, access to the discord community and the award winning rankings on the website. Just, just do it. You know, it, it's definitely worth it for sure to consider. So there it is. All the things we have to plug at the top. We will be talking about some interesting storylines. We are following heading into week three of the 2022 NFL season for fantasy purposes. And I have talked Way too much. hello lateral.
0: Well, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, eats and greets. We are here. It is week three, and uh it's the perfect time to grab a tight end. So uh, you know, for uh for my soapbox, going football themed again, not necessarily the point of the exercise, but needs to be said, like everyone is so down on the tight end landscape right now, and we will definitely get into that more today. Um but you should go grab a tight end now because there are some guys who, after this week, I don't think you'll be able to necessarily get. And we're kind of already seeing it with one of them. Uh, Gerald Everett, Tyler Conklin, Err Smith Jr., Evan Ingram, Logan Thomas, Juwan Johnson, Hayden Hurst, I think are all still viable options. Aside from maybe Everett, they're probably available in all your leagues. I just picked up Everett in leagues. Conklin got picked up in plenty of leagues that I was in, but is still available in some. I wrote about Conklin for the heat check for week two and told you to go scoop him up. And then all he did was get targets in week two. Um, Now, granted, the fun may end when Zach Wilson takes over in week four. So just bear that in mind with him. That's why I really do say if Gerald Everett is there, you should go get him. But just to put things in perspective, Gerald Everett currently tied in four in PPR. He's ninth in targets. Tyler Conklin currently tied in nine in PPR. He's fourth in targets. Logan Thomas currently tied in 10 in PPR and 14th in targets. Evan Ingram is currently tied in 12 in PPR and 13th in targets. These are all guys that are hovering around the top 12 in both targets and points. Would really recommend looking into one of them if for some reason those guys aren't there again. Ersmith Jr., we saw it get a ton of work this past week. Juwan Johnson has gotten a fair amount of work, just none of it in the translating into touchdowns, which has been like a little frustrating for those needing to roster him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Hayden Hurst is like in the top 12 for targets I believe he might just be outside I think he's that like tight right. end no. he's tight end 13 in PPR and Cincinnati has shown a proclivity for using the tight end in the uh exactly like yeah so no. it's a thing I would just look at one of these guys now don't buy too much into the hype that it is like a total wasteland and all hope is lost it is a wasteland but I think there actually are some diamonds in the rough out there
1: And, you know, we've talked about it a bunch on this podcast before about how, you know, the big researchy project thing that I did into the tight ends over the last however many years, around a quarter of the top 12 at the end of the year are people that were ranked outside of the top 12 to begin the season, and you've just listed off a name of guys that were all if i remember correctly ranked outside that and the order in which you mentioned them is probably the order in which i would be looking at them personally gerald everett tyler conklin and irv smith probably my top three though the other ones johnson thomas you know definitely ones to consider but like i'll tell you anywhere i've needed a tight end i scooped either conklin or everett it was mostly conklin just because everett like you kind of said you know like maybe we're a little too late to that, but yeah, this is kind of the week that if you haven't figured that out yet, you should probably do that now before it's a little bit too late. Cause yeah, then- I mean, I can
0: guarantee you, you will not get Gerald Everett after this week. If he has another good game. And then with some of these guys like Conklin, if you get them now, you can stash them. And if you get lucky, then boom, you're in the clear. Otherwise, again, if he has another good week, it's going to come down to your fab bid or your waiver order. Like, people will go for him.
1: Yeah. So, you know, you got to be, if if you weren't this past week ahead of the curve, you have one more opportunity to technically be quote unquote ahead of the curve before it's a little bit too late. And that leads me into my brief soapbox moment. Uh, Just don't be afraid to be aggressive. You know, like there are a lot of kind of unfortunate weird things that have gone on in these past two weeks. Don't overreact to anything that's happened in these two weeks, but if there's something just like, wow, I didn't see that coming, that you believe has a statistical reason behind it to continue working out, then do it. Waiting too long to be confident in something is exactly how you end up in the position that you just outlined. And I just want to encourage people to make sure that if they're seeing something that kind of piques their interest, to go for it. My example from Behind the Paywall, which, you know, again, fantasy sex not slash plans, Woo-hoo. If you were able to read the entire thing, uh, I mentioned briefly Richie James of the New York Giants. He's neck and neck with Sterling Shepard for targets. I don't understand why that offense won't commit to Kadarius Tony being utilized. Cause whenever he gets the ball, boom, he's, you know, explosive for sure. And then Kenny Galladay is just a walking bag of money. That doesn't really feel like, you know, doing too much. <laughs> We're not positive. He's still on the team, right? I'm, I don't know. So I guess I saw a tweet from one of the, like the beat reporters being like, when they came back for the interview portion, his locker was completely empty. I mean, as far as I know, he's still on the team, but like, yuck. So, but either way, you know, those are the types of things that if you don't take that leap early enough, you're going to be playing from behind. And I'm, I'm talking about a guy that you don't have to, you know, put in your lineup right away, but those little kind of underlying bubbling things under the surface, like that's what you have to look at. So be aggressive, make sure you make those choices and do your best. See, yeah, B aggressive b aggressive b aggressive i ag- i'm going to have to work on that drop that's clever <laughs> i i love that i absolutely love that so yeah that's pretty much all i have to say on that front um why don't we get into the normal part of the program unless you have anything else to say let's do it the ticker says it's time yes 100% so to kind of recap a couple of the things we talked about last week in terms of the sunday storylines that we were Interested in. I'll go ahead with mine briefly because the Dallas Cowboys offense was still kind of bad, but not really that bad. And then the New England offense, once again, was not particularly good because let's be honest, like that Pittsburgh defense, well, pretty damn good, not quite the same without TJ Watts. And I don't think the backfield did remarkably well with that opportunity, all things considered. So I think. Like nothing's really changed on that front for me and the things that I was worried about so that's all I have to say what about yourself
0: yeah so I mean both teams won in week two so that's an improvement for them just on that front um I mean I think you were a little polite in your description of the Steelers defense there I mean Nelson Aguilar and Jacoby Myers absolutely obliterated the Steelers defense hey oh like and honestly, like Damian Harris got like a little bit of 2021 Harris going on during the game. Um, You know, I've, if you were lucky enough to get him for cheap, though, I don't know that anyone was really trying to get him like congrats. Maybe that has paid off because I think people were really down on him on week one. I'm still not overly trusting that backfield. I agree with you there. And I'm not trusting Nelson Aguilar. I just don't see that necessarily being sustainable given what we've seen so far in the sample size of this offense with Mac Jones, big play touchdown. I'm trusting Jacoby Myers. We've talked about this outside of the show. Like I want Myers. He is good. He is getting regular targets. If you are playing PPR or even half PPR, he's a pretty safe floor guy. Like, yes, it's not a be aggressive situation for sure. If you're playing him his touchdown equity remains pretty low. But man, if you're like taking shots with some other guys and being aggressive there, Myers could be a great counterbalance for, you know, someone playing like an AJ Dillon or a Travis Etienne, for example, where you're like kind of hoping for a bit of breakout going on. You're putting them in your RB2 spot. And so then for like your flex, you know, maybe you got Myers just being a little safe if you have to go that route. Uh, It's more of a thing, I think, for slightly Larger lineups, so like for example, our dynasty league, I am playing Jacoby Myers because we need three wide receivers and two flexes. So at that point, I potentially need five wide receivers. Jacoby Myers is definitely a wide receiver, five
1: absolutely. But
0: there's other ones like our home league where I have Marquise Brown available to me as my flex, and like I'm not advocating that you play Jacoby Myers Mm -hmm. over Marquise Brown. You know your lineup, you know how to handle it. Uh, and then the Cowboys, I don't think have a ton actionable because probably the only person you can really get is Cooper Rush, and you don't want Cooper Rush. Like I sort of thought that they won despite him, not because of him. But otherwise, this offense looked the way that we hoped it would with Dak. Like Tony Pollard got involved, scored a touchdown, Zeke Elliott looked like. All right, like not too shabby. Uh, the C.D. Lamb, like, okay, the wide receivers. Yep, like, okay, we're seeing some progress here. Uh, I, j- I just don't trust it. And again, I think the guys who you are trusting at all, they're probably already on your roster. They're probably not available on your waivers. Like maybe if somehow Tony Pollard's still available in your league, like sure, go nuts, pick him up. Yeah. But like, that's about it. Like, I, I outside of Lamb, I don't want to touch the wide receivers, even though I think we have found a wide receiver, too, in that offense at this point. Of course, Michael Gallup could come back at some point and totally upend that. You know, who knows? Um, but for now, I think, you know, the real actionable piece of advice is if Kobe Myers is out there, you should maybe pick him up
1: there you go see we got something good out of that and uh before i turn it over to you i want to quickly mention about the cowboys thing <anthropology> haha Bengals starting zero two ha 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 signed terms the steelers fan so why don't we recap what you <laughs> had to cover from last week
0: yeah so last week i was looking at how do the targets for the detroit line shake out both like now and when jameson williams is available and while we haven't quite figured it out when Jamison williams is available how it'll look. Uh, we know how it looks for now. Alan Ross St. Brown is clearly the wide receiver one on this team. Yeah. It's not close, it's not changing. Uh-oh. Like, he is the top target at any position. Again, I think with jameson Williams, their top 12 draft pick, who was a better prospect, then
1: oh, big sneeze. There you go. Gotta love Listen.
0: that mute button. Um. Ooh. You know, Jamison Williams was a better prospect than I'm on Ross St. Brown pretty much at any point during their collegiate time. I have seen both play college ball and I believe in Jamison Williams talent. So I'm still projecting Jamison Williams to be the wide receiver one in this offense. Once he's healthy, but like I'm on is looking more like a one a than a two at this point. I, you know, it could be a poor man's uh, Jamar Antonio Chase Brown. T Higgins situation, you know, they don't profile exactly the same ways, but I'm just thinking like, you know, similar target shares in that sense. Um, and Jameson Williams and Jamar Chase have some more similarities in how they'd be used in the offense than not. You know, it's more the T. Higgins, Amon Ra isn't quite a one for one. Uh okay. Swift Hawk and Shark are the other viable options, though it's a bit muddy. Who's the current number two? And I don't really want to touch any of them aside from Swift, but that's because Swift is also like a dynamic runner. Like I'm not worried about him being reliant on one aspect of his game or the other. Hawks saw seven targets, which is an improvement for him. He still only brought in three of them and it wasn't a great game. Like shark went over for, you know, Josh Reynolds, I think was actually the second best receiver in terms of fantasy production, like three for three and a touchdown. Yeah, Yeah. So, you know, I think it's still going to look something like Jamo, Amon-Ra, Hawk, Chark, Swift, kind of battling it underneath there. I think we did get that right. I think the issue here is outside of Amon-Ra and Jameson Williams, there might not be much viable there. Again, Swift kind of being its own separate thing. Um, So... If Jameson Williams is still out there, which he was when we talked about this last week, yes, you should go pick him up.
1: He's still available too. And, you know, I just, I don't write about him necessarily in the free portion of the waiver article, but behind the paywall, like I, I list him because, you know, we talked about stash him, do the thing. And, you know, man, sorry that I just, I blurted out. So when no, you- no, said, it, he's when you
0: top said, 12 wide, like, draft pick. Who will oh, probably no, no. be the starting wide receiver? So, and
1: it's just like when you said I'm on Russ St. Brown and you said comparing, I blurted Antonio Brown. Yes. Because honestly, like he's dude, he's just looking like he is looking ABS. And, and I'm the, the very you're showing it. And I'm very proud of the lateral show for being on record with yes. <laughs> Ross St. Brown pretty much the entire time. So for longtime listeners, you're welcome. And uh, boy, do we feel good about I'm, that! I'm not saying that we coined
0: the term the Sun God. I've, I'm 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 strongly implying it though.
1: I'm not saying we didn't. You know yeah, that's. Kind of-
0: <laughs> if, if you show me evidence that says I'm wrong, I can see it. You know, um, there's smart yeah. enough people to make that connection, but like we, did he like, come on, it Bro, was he, such a good opportunity. He played well in college. I mean, all the signs
1: were there. Yeah. And you know, but your your point about the the issue, potentially when JMO comes back with TJ. Hawkinson, what's going to happen there? Like there, there's a there's a weirdly common theme in this episode, okay? So we kind of teased it a little bit before. And then, with your soapbox, you talked about tight ends. And then now we're kind of talking about the Hawkinson thing. I mean, Do you just I just want to get into more tight end talk. Should, so I'll go. I'll start with my big storyline for the week three Sunday storylines, because if you're nervous about your tight end. We talked about the pivot guys that you can go to an Irv Smith, a Tyler Conklin, a Gerald Everett. Whatever you may end up being in that boat with TJ Hawkinson at some point, I don't know. Think about it. But the person that you're not really going to be in that boat with is Kyle Pitts. I am sick <laughs> of the whole conversation around Kyle Pitts because, yes, I understand. Is it the start that you wanted to this season? Absolutely not. 10 targets. 38 receiving yards a total of 7.8 ppr points and he is the tight end 35 he's averaging two catches a game yeah like sure like this this sucks okay it does but this is what happens with tight ends right this sometimes it's just wonky like that particularly with a guy like drake london in that offense drawing a lot of attention through two weeks, Drake London boasts a robust thirty four and a half percent target share, twice as many raw targets as pitts with twenty, and a whopping thirty six point seven percent of the Falcons air yards according to four for four. The other kind of complicating thing by, here by the way, quick aside, yes, this wide receiver draft class that we all
0: said was going to be pretty good. Panning out to be pretty, pretty good. good. I mean, like dude. Drake London <laughs> looks really good. Garrett Wilson finally like balled out last week. Chris Olave is definitely trending up, and Jahan didn't start Dotson. out that low. Jahan Dotson had a great week, one in a pretty good week to like. The only one I think that
1: hasn't really performed is Jamison Williams because he's injured. Yeah. So yeah. Rookie receivers, man. Okay, I see. And that, every year in redraft, they're always the cheapest, highest upside thing that you can do because of the uncertainty of the whatever. You know, keep that tucked away. You know, I think we mentioned that earlier in the offseason, but we digress. When Marcus Mariota throws the ball to either of them, PFF has this really cool thing where it looks at the, uh, the QB rating on those, you know, throws and whatnot. Marcus Mariota's QB rating when targeting London is 117.8 it is 51.3 when he targets kyle pitts so like before yeah yeah so like that's just the the base level of the thing that i kind of have to talk about here i have a whole other thing that i'm going to save for a little bit but let's just pause briefly in the middle of my rant to talk about like this is kind of a mariota thing in a way a little bit like, again, the quality of target clearly isn't
0: there. And, like, it's, like, 33rd amongst tight ends per player profiler. It's, I mean, it's bad. I mean, keep in mind, there's only 32 teams. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Uh, on the other hand, like, Mariota has looked surprisingly competent. And we're going to get into that, I think, a little more when we get into my storyline. But, like, I think the real issue, and we have talked about this, and I've tweeted a little bit about it, is that Kyle Pitts is a tight end. He's not a wide receiver. We want to pretend that he's a wide receiver because he's insanely talented, and he's built like a literal house. But he's a tight end. They're using him like a tight end. They're giving him poor quality targets. He's not getting a ton of them. And he's lining up inside, like I think you pointed out earlier. He's lining out wide, like what? Oh, well, I'll get into members. that. Yes, yeah, so I'll get into it, that. It, it, we set such a high bar for him. There yeah. was no way he was going to clear
1: it. It's that's that's the problem, viewers, listeners. Like, why are you nervous about Kyle Pitts? Because among tight ends, honestly. He's not really doing that bad. It's important to look at some of the underlying metrics in terms of just like, well, maybe it's a slow start. Can he get better? I think it indicates, yes, ninth in air yards per game among tight ends, fourth in team percentage of air yards, nearly a quarter among tight ends, and seventh in route participation percentage among tight ends. Among tight ends among tight ends. I'm going to say it one more time among tight ends because he's like you said, like he is, he's a tight end. The refrain that we hear is like, Oh, he's basically just a wide receiver playing. It's like, no, but he's not. I think it's
0: officially time to bury that. He's not basically
1: a wide receiver. He is athletically, I suppose, quote unquote, like a receiver kind of, but, when we look at what he's doing in terms of the routes that he runs, like, you know, you tease it a little bit before another really cool thing about PFF, they, they tell us, okay. They tell us where these players line up in all of their routes so far Pitts has run a receiving route 57 times this season. Okay. That's one fewer than Drake London at 58. So it's like, you know, they're out there doing the thing on the field, same time, whatever. 18 of his routes (laughs) are wide routes that is 31.4 percent of the time that's not like a wide receiver now is it not a lot of tight ends do that either i looked it up travis kelsey does it 41.7 percent of the time that's pretty crazy and the next closest guy in this category is Tyler Higby on the Rams. And yeah, that's only 27.4% of the time. So like, that's not all that dissimilar to what Kyle Pitts is doing because both Higby <laughs> and Pitts <laughs> are tight ends. <laughs> like, it's yeah. just, you know, and, and so- we
0: might've been wrong about both of them. Cause I, I was definitely too high on Pitts and too low on Higby. I don't want to buy into Higby. I just don't see it, but
1: he's clearly producing and I was just wrong. Yeah. And you know, I definitely was too. And, you know, but these are the things that we have to consider now before anybody, because I can hear people yelling at me through my headphones already from the future, but Herms, what about the, okay. Yeah. Okay. I hear you. Slot routes are technically a wide receiver job, right? We can both agree on that. Yes. You know, there are slot shame on this podcast. Of course. Come on, anti-slot shaming. Yes, very, very, impo- we have to embrace this just as a community. That is a thing that a, a lot of tight ends do, running slot routes. That It's not particularly uncommon by any means, right? Kyle Pitts, 29 of his routes from the slot. So like, okay, that's more. That's definitely more than what he's doing out wide. But I looked in the same category to build, you know, the full scope of the case needed here. Zach Ertz leads this category with 48. Of his personal routes that he's running, 57.1% of those are coming from the slot, okay? Mark Andrews, 69.4% of his routes are coming from the slot. Nice. Nice. Darren Waller, 62.3. Kyle Pitts ranks 22nd in this measure. 41.1 percent of the time all right so he's a he's a tight end if you grade Kyle Pitts on a curve against the position that he's playing it's it's alarming but it's not so bad to the point where so here's my my point because I just I have to calm down you're not dropping him because why you're not if you want to still got seven targets in one game like you don't just drop that yeah, so it's we have to we have to grade him against the position that he plays. The panic is relative to this idea that he's a wide receiver. We have to stop doing that because it's damaging to our brains. And the last thing I'll say before I turn it over to you is dynasty brain and redraft brain mixing. Not really that good of an idea. Because on average, I can't remember this. I I read this article like two years ago. I can't even remember where it's from. I'm sure if you want to look it up, reader, uh, I mean, viewer slash, you know, listener, you can probably find it. But tight ends, it's about... reading this podcast. Of course, yes. We'll have to put up captions. But uh, three or four years in the league is about how long it takes for tight ends to really develop and do the thing. If Kyle Pitts is playing tight end, which he is obviously he's not doing that bad for a second year tight end. Okay. So dynasty tight end one, yes, you can make that argument for sure. But I think we've all, we've all fucked up (laughs) in putting him a little bit too high in redraft rankings the last two years, especially this year, especially this year. So I, again, like I said, I have to calm down. So,
0: Well, let's talk away. about something much less exciting, which is rookie quarterbacks. And so my storyline that I'm looking at is which rookie quarterback will become the first one to be fantasy relevant. And Should you add any of them now? And the reason I'm bringing this up is because Malik Willis became our first rookie quarterback to go into a game this year. What did we say? When it, towards the end of the third quarter, this is true. We definitely did call the shot. We definitely also thought it was going to come around like week eight or something.
1: Yeah, I mean, um,
0: yeah. Not two. And for the record, I don't, there's no indication that Tannehill is getting benched yet. I do think that like they benched everyone. It was a team effort to lose that game in abysmal fashion. And so I don't think they're giving up on Tannehill just yet. But if this team keeps losing, they will. They absolutely will. So I think you could potentially stash Willis in deep leagues. I'm talking like seven to eight bench spots, you know, or more if you have them. Um, you know, if you're at six bench spots, maybe. But at that point, I think you probably have wide receivers and running backs that are more valuable to hold on to. Yeah, I'd even say potentially one of the tight ends we just talked about. If you wanted to stash one of them, to I'd make rather sure that you're that, ahead of yeah. a curve. I'd rather do that. Because I do think Tannehill will play in week three. Um, Willis didn't look super good as part of it. It's not like yeah. he went out there and won the job. Yeah. And it was the uh, Bills.
1: It was tough. Yeah, it, was it was late, against, but it even against then. Against the bills. He know? got like
0: all of three drives. It was really tough. He still looked decent with his legs. And he was out there with second stringers as well. Like he wasn't running with Derrick Henry. He was running with the Son Haskins. You know, I do think he is actually going to become the starter at some point this season. I mean, unless Tennessee really turns this around, which doesn't seem like they will. Uh, and he adds serious value with his legs. So again, I think you can start to look at stashing him. I think you definitely need the bench depth to do it though. Uh, but that is a situation to monitor just because like some of the guys we talked about, like Mariota is someone that I've recommended in the heat check articles is potentially like monitoring and stashing as well. Like because they add this value with their legs, they are worth keeping an eye on now Kenny Pickett I think is the second most likely at the moment to go and get a start
1: I got a lot of thoughts about this (laughs) because
0: Mitch Trubisky has not looked that good he just hasn't but Pittsburgh seems to be willing to go with him and let Pickett learn for a, a year which I don't think is a bad move um now granted at a certain point you have to worry about when now versus when later. You know, it's not like he's learning behind Big Ben. He's learning behind Mitch Trubisky. Yeah. There's like, there's this, there's a lot of factors to account for. But, you know, I think if this team hovers around 800, it won't be enough to cost Mitch's job. If they hover they, around
1: 800, Mitch Trubisky's these, doing fine. I mean, I'll t-
0: say <laughs> <game laughs> 500. You know where I got it. Yeah. Um yeah. But yeah. So I, I, he, if he is starting, I think there is a stretch from week 13 to week 17 fantasy playoffs where he could be viable. There are some very favorable matchups in that time. Uh I think he gets the Jets. I think
1: he gets the Ravens and their secondary looks terrible. It's a bit of a cakewalk in the bye week I think is yeah. week 10. So he would have yeah. a ramp up to it. If he yeah. if he got the start so after the bye week I, there'd be some room. I think that so I have barring injury the
0: earliest pickable stars coming out of the bye week In week 10 against the Saints, you should not pick him up that week. I do not think that will go well. Uh, I still fairly believe in the Saints team, though they're looking a little shaky. Uh, But first rookie start against them is like not something I'm dying to sign up for. Uh, Again, I would be eyeing him for this week 13 to week 17 stretch, and I would wait as long as you can before picking him up. Um, All right. Desmond Ritter, speaking of Marcus Mariota, this one is also tricky. Like, all of these are tricky yeah. because aside from Kenny Pickett, they're like third-round capital or lower. There is no requirement to ever start a guy like that. Like, Tennessee, for as much as, like, we hyped up Malik Willis as a prospect, the fact that he has already gone out there, like, he is a third-round pick. If he never becomes a legit NFL starter, it will not shock anyone. It will maybe be a little disappointing, but it will not be a complete shock. Kenny Pickett as a first round pick will eventually start,
1: but mm-hmm.
0: it doesn't have to be this year. And it does seem like they don't necessarily feel the need for it to be this year. Mm-hmm. Desmond Ritter also falls in that category of like, if he never starts more surprising things have happened. Like they just have. So Smith also seems to like Mariota. And I think he's going to stick with him. For as long as he can, yeah. Atlanta has been more competitive than we've expected. Like they basically yeah. held their own against two playoff caliber teams, mm. barely lost to both. I think the Saints matchup was a bit closer than the Rams one, even it though came down to the Fox end. Yeah. Scores are pretty similar. Um, the Rams kind of blew it more towards the end, in my opinion. Definitely. Um, and the issues, Mariota is probably capping Atlanta's ceiling but not noticeably enough to get benched. Like if this team is living up to its own internal expectations, I don't think Marcus Mariota at this point has done anything to merit getting benched. No. So you can't stash Ritter yet. But if this team is 0-8, and they may go his way. If he is officially getting the start, you can scoop him up if you need a running back. The weapons in Atlanta, as we have discussed, have potential. I really actually like Ritter's presence I think he has the tools to be a good quarterback.
1: He was okay in the preseason, too, to be honest.
0: I don't think you need to burn a roster spot on him until he gets the nod for a start. Mm -hmm. And at that point, it's only if you need him. I don't think he's going to be a league winner. So, someone like Malik Willis could be a league winner if things break exactly right, which they might not. But, like, because of the tools that he has, like, he could really, like, blow the ceiling off some stuff. I just don't think Desmond Ritter is going to do that, but Desmond Ritter could be like, you know, competent borderline top 12 QB territory. So if you are desperate for someone, if you're someone that's been streaming your QBs, he is someone to keep an eye on. And then the last quarterback, you don't need to keep so much of an eye on, but I did include him because of who the starter is. So all these guys, they all have in common that they have the potential this year to take the starting role from the current starting quarterbacks because their starting quarterbacks aren't that good. And so that includes Sam Howell, whose starting quarterback is Carson Wentz. Wentz has looked surprisingly good this year, but it has to fall apart at some point. We know it has to fall apart. We've seen this movie before. We know how it ends. He's already throwing one and a half interceptions per game. He gave up a safety in week two, not necessarily his fault, but like, you know, you never love to see that. They were down 22 to nothing at halftime. Like, yeah, they Rude. came back. It became Rude. a much more exciting game but like they were getting their ass kicked. He's the least likely to take over for sure. And it's not necessary for him to take over at all. I think he was a fifth rounder. So like, he's really a guy that like, you're already drafting him, expecting him to be a career backup or a dart throw. But it is someone to keep an eye on. We've seen that Washington has some weapons, um, but again,
1: they got a lot.
0: They do, but I don't know that the offensive scheme is the best.
1: I just I I guess I still have some question marks about it. And plus it's two weeks, you know, it's a little like early. For to, as good yeah. as their
0: weapons are, honestly, I feel like they should actually be performing better. Like they're still losing games. They barely beat Jacksonville. Like yeah. There's just I have <laughs> question marks about that team. Um the defense so hasn't think,
1: helped either. Yeah.
0: I think you keep an eye on how just because he has that potential to start, but I think I think it's very unlikely that I end up advocating for you picking up Sam Howell. You know, it's going to be, I think, very similar to how we
1: treated Taylor Heineke. I really do. Yeah, you know, and and you laid out the options uh, for the rookie quarterbacks. It's an interesting thing to dive into. That's the purpose of the show. We're going to dive into it a little bit more here. But before I do that, I just want to uh, remind people. Uh, your point about maybe looking at Malik Willis as a stash. If you had read the waiver wire column and you had an all access plan at fantasy six pack.net slash plans, you would have been able to see. I also talked about that. So there you go. One more time for the plug. I get one of those plans. I'm just, you know, Hey, look, and I, before, so like I said, I, I even sunk in my chair because I have so much to say about the whole Kenny Pickett thing, but like, um, malik willis he is available in my scott fishbowl league and i am somebody you gotta pick him up so there you go yeah i think folks if you're in a super
0: flex league you need to be stashing malik willis for sure
1: you kind of have to do that now it in you know the the vast majority of fantasy leagues are one quarterback despite us being in the twitter community and a lot of us in the twitter community thinking super flex is the norm it's not just mind you for, the global population I'm, <laughs> like, I'm still in a standard league this year yeah One,
0: with no flexes
1: yeah so the reason i even mentioned that is just because like i don't i'm not going to assume everybody that watches this and listens to this is in these situations so to be clear this is big super flex energy for people like or if i i guess a deep enough league or a deep enough bench. And you were somebody
0: wackos that plays two QB instead of super flex.
1: Yeah. I, you know, it's, I'm in one, I'm in one for the first time. It's very, it's very strange, but we'll, I'm sure we'll have ample opportunity to discuss that at some point in the future, but, but yeah, you know, it's, it's clear. There's Tennessee's not very good. We discussed that in our, pre-NFL season, the last show we did before the season started. We, you know, the Titans are big, bad. And
0: it was a house of cards waiting to collapse. And it looks like it's collapsing.
1: And I warned about the Derrick Henry thing. I laid out the history of running backs at that age, not really performing. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I, I don't even think this is me sounding the alarm because I pretty much said that you really should have just picked him in the second round or something, if you wanted to. And even as an RB2, where I had him ranked, I think you may have too. Like, whatever. So the will is part of it. Like, super flex people. Yeah, dude. Like, you kind of have to take the stab at it because the minute he does start, as I mentioned, as you mentioned, then it will become a fab race. It will become a waiver
0: order yeah. race. Everyone will be making a claim.
1: Yeah. And as I say all the time, 25 yards passing, 10 yards rushing, same thing, one point. What do you, you know, this is probably closer to a Buffalo Tyrod situation than a Prime Michael Vick situation as far as the type of rushing that you're getting. But, well, fantasy production as a whole, even. But yeah, like that's so, so we agree on that. I, can I do the Pittsburgh thing? Am I allowed to do the Pittsburgh thing? <laughs> you have 90 seconds. Mitch Trubisky is not looking very good. There was a particular point in time toward the end of the half there where his complete lack of situational awareness just cost mad field position. And I was just like, bro, what the hell are you doing? It's just whole thing. But my issue, and I tweeted this on Sunday during the game, given the curve that the quarterbacks are being graded against in Pittsburgh, and I hate to recycle the same phrase over again in the same show, but they're, they're being compared to Ben Roethlisberger from last year. That is the success. That is where the benchmark was put. Is Trubisky going to be bad enough to warrant being pulled? And I'm not sure which way this goes but i will not be surprised if this happens sooner than we think because there have been enough inklings that this team is pretty good and tj watt managed to avoid the season ending surgery for the peck meaning that he will come back at some point relatively soon about a month from now or five weeks from now i believe now um I think maybe we need to have a greater sense of urgency for Pickett as a possibility. That is my read as a fan who's been screaming at the television because Pickett may, in fact, be able to offer more than Trubisky because Trubisky's just, it he, he doesn't understand what's going on about a quarter of the time, <laughs> and that is time.
0: Uh, yeah, I you know I I I think we know what Trubisky's ceiling looks like, and I think we're seeing it in action uh, so far this year. That Week Ten game just feels like the perfect time to bring Pickett in. If you're gonna do it, come now mm-hmm. that bye week. You've let the Trubisky experiment run for half a season, uh, so I I I get the urgency. I'm still like I don't think you need to bite until after that point. Even if he starts sooner, because I think it's going to be a bit of a rough
1: start. I think he's going to like have some growing pains. I, I have a hard time believing that to some degree, though, just because the version of the offense that they put out for Pickett in all of the preseason. And I, get, I heard what I said in the preseason, preseason it's against- games don't count but here's but here's the thing the version of the offense that they installed when he was out there does and it was different it was a lot more simple quick read do the thing dink and dunk down the field to get there and if they move to picket there are going to be things that change a little bit in terms of the mechanisms of the offense and you know the pattern of calls that you're going to be going through on your play sheet so I don't think it's the worst idea in the world to trust him in a super flex league. Again, we're talking super flex. Okay. You know, when he gets this job, because he was efficient with it. And also, the little morsel here uh, between both Willis and Pickett, I want to mention to people Traylon Burks, George Pickens. Both rookie receivers, both supremely talented, both looked better with their rookie counterparts at quarterback. too. So that's another fun thing to consider. If you sure. have a deep enough bench, maybe you don't have to bail on either of those guys.
0: Oh, Kinda. I don't think anyone should be bailing on Traylon Burks yet. Anyway, Traylon Burks should be rostered. Yeah, like just full stop. Um, so, I'm so I'm you know, still looking at this from a one QB perspective. In super flex, yeah, if there is a starting quarterback, he should probably be rostered. I mean, I think that sort of goes without saying. So if you get the inclination that you think Pickett's going to start and you're in a super flex league, yeah, sure, pick him up. Uh, I just still don't think he's that good. Like, yeah, he's looking better than I think my worst expectations. I am very concerned about seeing him go full speed against NFL defenses. So we will see how that goes. Again, that's why it's like I think he'll suck weeks ten against the Saints. A do. And so then at that point, people will drop him. And that's where I come in and scoop him up and go on my way. So that's why I'm kind of like not advocating like jumping the gun on it because I think you can just wait to
1: get him. But then it kind of brings me to a question of because I mean, you opened the door. I'm opening it a little bit more. Do either of them, Willis or Pickett, need to be considered? in any sort of urgent fashion in one quarterback at all. Yeah,
0: actually, I th- I think there are one quarterback leagues. If your bench is deep enough, you should stash Malik Willis because okay. of the rushing upside he gives you. Again, I think seven to eight bench spots is the sweet spot for that. All if right. you do not have that many, you should not do it. Uh, otherwise, it's just a monitor. And then if he gets the start, try and scoop him up.
1: All right you kind of mentioned it before glad we kind of got that you know clarification a little bit out there um another one to note even though you said pre-recording not necessarily uh you know doesn't fit into the box of rookie quarterbacks yep. but mac jones's back injury if anything were to be super wrong with it and he had to miss time just a freebie we don't have to talk too long about it does bailey zappy interest no. you at all no super flex
0: Again, I think at that point, it follows the rule of if it's a starting quarterback in Superflex, you should probably be rostering him. But I mean, even in your lineup in a Superflex.
1: I probably wouldn't start <laughs> him the first week I have him on my bench. OK, because like, okay. I think because kind of the reason I asked, it's not that. a good offense.
0: It's that's that's the thing for me. It's go. not that good an offense. And I don't think he elevates it in any way. I think he could be as good as Mac Jones, potentially. But I don't think he elevates it at all. I think there's a reason Mac Jones is the starter and a first-round pick, and the other guy was not was not ever going to be considered to be one. No. So while he looked good in some preseason spots, like, let's be realistic here. So again, in Superflex, yeah, if there's a starting quarterback available, you should pick him up. But I would not be really willing to start him unless I had literally no other options in those instances. And it's just... Pittsburgh's offense entices me. Tennessee's offense entices me to a degree. New England outside of Jacoby Myers
1: does not entice me at all at this point. Yeah. As we've discussed yeah. previously and in this episode, I mean, yeah. you know, so. Um, yeah, Thrive I picks. Mean, uh, Thrive picks. Yeah. So picks. if you are interested in playing uh daily fantasy but you don't want to do the conventional daily fantasy thing you just want to play with prop bets because it's a little bit more comfortable to you then i have fantastic news because you can use the promo code herms on thrive fantasy for a 100 match on your first deposit up to 100 dollars it's it. see the ah. invert cameras. Yeah, one hundred dollar. Yeah, we'll we'll get better at that. Probably shouldn't be doing this on a camera anyway. Um. So I. Well, it's the risk
0: you run with this audio format, video format, AV. Mm-hmm.
1: Yes, hundred. Oh gosh, wow. That transition, not our best, but we try, and that's what the lateral show can at least guarantee, at minimum. So we have some thrive <laughs> bets to talk about. Seems fair. <laughs> that's I. What do you have? I.
0: Uh, so um,
1: the (laughs) the Thrive pick I
0: have, (laughs) okay. Uh, and scene, (sighs) okay. So the Thrive pick I have is Kareem Hunt over 15 and a half receiving yards. Uh, he's hit the over of that mark in two out of two games, so feeling pretty good about that. The Steelers have also allowed 116 receiving yards to running backs through two games, so he just needs to do like. A little over a tenth of that, if my math is correct, like maybe 15% of that. And he's golden. And luckily they don't throw the ball to the other running back in Cleveland. Not really. So so feeling really pretty good. <laughs> good. Feeling pretty good about it. Um, so yeah, so that is my pick. It feels solid.
1: Yeah, you know, I mean, it's also just got got to say once again, because we did mention it a little bit earlier when we were kind of recapping the Patriots backfield. This is a Pittsburgh defense without TJ Watt, okay? Like, without him being up there in that front, it's different. And we even saw at times last year, if you just pound it enough They'll fold because the depth was not super good. Now we we because I'm part of the team. They made some moves <laughs> in terms, you know, like Larry Ogunjobi. You know, like Demarvin Leal ran over him a good bit.
0: I mean, yeah. Like again, we're talking receiving yards here, but they were certainly susceptible to attacks from the
1: backfield. Yeah, no, but but even then, it's the defensive front still gonna be approaching them first. So I mean, you know, yeah. but either way, like it's it's a sound it's a sound bet to make. I definitely agree with that not only just from a fantasy perspective from an analysis perspective but also just from the perspective of somebody who's a Steelers fan who watches a lot of these division games and is wearing a Cleveland Browns Johnny Menzel shirt which I just realized wow that's weird okay (laughs) the irony so not only did I make fun of the Bengals earlier talk about my love of the Steelers but then I'm wearing a here's Johnny okay that's its own thing I don't know. This show is interesting, but if you want to go to Thrive Fantasy, you can sign up using promo code Herms for a 100% match on your first deposit up to $100. We will transition into the next segment of this show much better than we did that one we Off got to our, a great start. Yes, we got <laughs> we got the boom bust. Okay, we, we got go. the boom bust picks. Now again, this is relative to expectation. Boom players, no. we're looking at outside the top twelve, and then bust players, we're looking at players that maybe don't necessarily implode, but would perhaps be good candidates to fail to meet their top twelve, you know, projection on the week, and this is per Fantasy Pros PPR projections. Why don't you go ahead and start with your boom pick of the week? All right. Well, I'm looking to get on the right
0: track with these. Last week, I picked Matt Ryan to boom and Aaron Jones to bust. I don't really want to talk about it. Uh, (laughs) So let's move on to this week where I'm picking Daryl Henderson of the Los Angeles Rams, currently ranked as RB27 with an 11.3 PPR point projection. Uh, The Arizona Cardinals are allowing 27.55 PPR points per game to running backs. Pretty good. I think it's like fourth best. Um, Henderson's currently scoring about 11.5 PPR points per game, despite a decreased workload in week two. So an average matchup would seem like slightly outperform this projection anyway. And luckily the Cardinals are an above average matchup for him. Like this should be a plus matchup and despite his decreased workload, Henderson had a higher snap count than acres in week two. He split pretty evenly with acres inside the red zone. And so I'm thinking this all points towards continued stable work in week three. And so if you're looking for some upside, I think Daryl Henderson could really break off a couple of runs, get into the end zone, and have a great week against the Arizona Cardinals. So that's why he is my pick to go from bench guy to starter.
1: Yeah, dude, I, it's it's a good call. I definitely think this also is a good opportunity just to mention to people why are you still on the cam acres thing if you are those people just like stop. Like there's not a reason he he did get a fair (laughs) amount of
0: touches in week two. Like I sort of get it, but there's still definitely some warning signs.
1: Yeah, it's, it's, it's it's not great, but no, there's definitely something to it. Well, I'm doing a very interesting job of vamping. Well, I put together some throw. so my now, pick, If
0: you want, I can do my bus pick first. Yes, let's go ahead. You. Let's All go right. ahead and do that. Um, well, we've Sorry. talked about this guy plenty. So unfortunately, I think you'll have a little less time to work with than you think so. All good. Because it's Kyle Pitts, uh, tight end for the Atlanta Falcons, tight end for 11 point PPR projection. He's averaging four points per game. His target quality is terrible. And uh, people don't need to throw to the tight end against Seattle's mediocre, if not poor defense. Like only nine tight end targets so far. And they faced Denver, who we thought was going to have like the second coming of Jesus and Albert O.
1: Um, He was good in that game. so
0: much. Um, And then uh, Ross Dwelly, I want to say, when my Niners played him. Dwelly uh, Dwelly was the one that got that touchdown right not that uh, sounds right Warner? yeah okay yeah uh, so again like we're not talking about guys that are as talented as Kyle Pitts like don't get me wrong but we've already seen how well Mariota does running the ball and throwing to Drake London And I don't see why he can't do both of those things against Seattle's defense. So I just don't know that Pitts is going to necessarily see a lot of work. And if he doesn't see work, he is going to underperform. He does not have the touchdown equity to like somehow save his value. So for me, he's a pretty easy bust pick.
1: There you go. You got the boom bust from your boy McLateral. Now we turn it over to me, a prepared human being, to talk about his uh, my boom pick. Uh, I'm kind of just doing this more from a a selfish promotional standpoint. Uh, not so much like a a big me thing, but just like I've been trying to tell people about this thing, Greg Dortch, Arizona Cardinals. All right, this guy, Dortch, this guy through these two weeks, right? Because Rondell Moore is out. He has a hamstring injury and there was a report. I believe it was from Jeremy Fowler. I don't know if he got it first or whoever did, but you know, we've heard. Rondell Moore is going to be out for an extended period of time. When Rondell Moore comes back, who knows what this is going to look like for Greg Dortch. When DeAndre Hopkins inevitably comes back from his suspension, who knows what this looks like. But as long as all of this continues working out, Dortch is winning the battle for being the wide receiver two in Arizona. Poor uh, poor ugh, per four for four. Doing great. <laughs> Greg Dorch is uh eighty. for, for Dorch. Dorch. Yeah, forge forge for Dorch. <laughs> he sits at an 83.8% route participation rate percentage. That sounded good too. AJ Green had 75.8. So Dorch is clearly winning the battle for being the wide receiver two out there. And even though he saw fewer targets in week two as he did in week one, he found the end zone. Okay. He's wide receiver 22 on the season, 21 on the season so far. Wonderful. And he is projected <laughs> to score 8.1%. Points, And I noticed even on ESPN, uh, their projections, because I have him on a few benches, I think he's only projected like four point something. So it's just like, I'm kind of just saying this to remind people, as long as Rondell Moore is out, Greg Dorch still widely available and also probably going to be able to hit the over on that. And I say probably at, you know, 8.1 for, you know, we'll see, you know, but that role out of the slot doing the thing for the Cardinals pretty good, especially with how good Kyler Murray has been looking, especially at the end of that game. Did you see, dude, that like little, that stand they had in yeah. the red zone, bro, that was, that was impressive as hell. I got it, man. No, I, I
0: mean, like, George is clearly having like a career moment here. He's really seizing it. Uh, I worry a little about his target share, but he's, he's getting opportunity, like nine targets, seven receptions week one, four targets, four receptions week two. Yeah. Okay. Like uh, you have my attention. I think he is someone that people need to be looking at and the Rams have certainly given up some points, given up some receiving yards. So
1: yeah, I think it's a solid call. Yeah. You know, it's just something to think about for sure. And then for my bust pick, I it's, it's tough. I didn't really come up with a good one per se, but I again kind of just bring this up more as a public service announcement to people Uh, so don't bench this guy because that would be very dumb but austin eckler not really running the ball a lot that's something that i want to highlight before the end of this show 36 yards rushing in week one 39 in week two on that thursday night game against the chiefs both games 14 attempts a lot of what he's been able to do so far is because He's a good pass catcher. I don't think that's going to go away. And it's against Jacksonville. It's not the toughest front in the world. Like, he'll be fine, throw him out there. But I'm kind of nervous about it because I know that even he mentioned in the offseason, like, hey, you know, I really want to find an RB2 to help, you know, do some stuff and clean up the workload with me. I didn't know that meant he wasn't going to run for yards anymore. I mean, come on. Like, he has been a little frustrating. Maybe adjust expectations for Eckler a little bit. It kind of has me shook.
0: Well, I know that obviously these are very different teams that he played against, but if it makes you feel any better in his last two games where he played against Jacksonville, because unfortunately he was on injured reserve for the most recent one. Yeah. uh, 10 attempts for 42 yards, five targets, five receptions, two touchdowns and eight attempts for 101 yards, five targets, four receptions, and a touchdown, like pretty good production. You know, it's like, I get where you're coming from. I saw that when I was looking through to like possibly land on the guys I was going to go with. Yeah. There's a real problem there. I think it's worth mentioning. Ultimately, I think he's still getting enough work that as long as like he can kind of turn the corner, maybe get a little more efficient, maybe something's just not quite clicking He'll be okay.
1: But I get why you're calling it out. I think it is important. Yeah. Cause I mean, also just important to mention nine receptions for 55 yards last week against Kansas City got him to the 18 points that he is yes, about projected for with 18.4 yeah. here. And that was without Keenan Allen. So yes. just. Yeah. I would, I would expect that target share you know, to decrease. You know, so but I'm hoping that
0: his rushing efficiency will increase and, you know, maybe he finds the end zone, which he's been struggling a little bit with.
1: And I'm hoping at some points our podcasting efficiency goes up a little bit and we're able to find the end zone in terms of execution back to our former standards very soon. Just kidding. Come on. This is the lateral show. It's a sideways look at fantasy football. This is what you get yourself into, folks. This has been a great program i hope We're that are actually at being, like an hour
0: right now I, this is probably I one know, of our more efficient ones
1: that's what i'm saying and plus you know being goofy is kind of just part of it anyway so even when we mess up it's still fun and if you want to continue to track me in real time on twitter doing whatever i don't know at herms In nfl then re- i don't do it just what? have that like
0: gps data constantly getting tweeted out
1: As, yes i do yes i do it's just so if you want to fo- i'm gonna start a webcam where it just follows me constantly it just we herms want- is sitting here
0: <laughs> herms
1: is still sitting here on twitter at herms nfl that's where you can find me Uh, if you want if you want more of this then by all means please follow me on twitter at herms nfl and if people want more of this tell them i (laughs) ladies
0: and gentlemen as you know it's your boy, McLateral, a.k.a. McLateral FF on the Twitter. You can find me on Twitter at McLateral FF. You can also find me on Twitter at uh, where I tweet about all the latest in tech, gaming, and entertainment, uh, because that's my day job over at Tom's Guide, where I write about the latest in tech, gaming, and entertainment. Uh, but if you want my fantasy football content, you have to go to Fantasy Six Pack, where I am here on the lateral show dropping every thursday on the youtubes and the spotify's uh and then also i have a column dropping every saturday called the heat check uh normally i write it on thursdays but i'm going to go see Elton John tomorrow so you know <laughs> we'll be doing that uh hopefully friday i will be able to get that done or uh, else i get the hose again and i think that's about all i got
1: there you go, and that's about all we got until you hear from us next time at the Lateral Show—a sideways look at fantasy football. Hey! Follow the Lateral on Twitter at the Lateral FF.